We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. Wherever you find us, subscribe, rate, review, download. We appreciate it. It helps us out. And you can find us on social media, Instagram.com slash Beers on Us, Twitter at Beers on Us Pod, Facebook.com slash Beers on Us, personal pages. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PD085 on Twitter and Instagram. Out of the way. Whoa. Sometimes I forget. Moving along. And then I have to like stick it in awkwardly, which (laughs) is what she said or what he said. What they said. What they said. I guess it is could be what she said, I suppose. Um, so there you go. That's out of the way. This episode today is, it's a tough topic. Yep. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, we try to have fun and be loose and talk about fun stuff on the podcast. But every once in a while, things will happen that we need to address. You know, coronavirus was one where we were very serious about it for a couple of episodes just because of learning about it and all the kind of stuff that was going on and restrictions and all that kind of stuff. And we've we've alluded to this. We mentioned it a little bit a couple episodes ago. But uh, there has been a bit of an awakening within the beer industry, and I guess within the service industry as a whole, of discrimination towards women, people of color, LGBTQ, uh, basically anybody who's not a male, (laughs) a white male. Not a white, middle-aged guy with a beard and and a flannel. It almost felt like... like It's, it was the elephant in the room that everybody knows exists because, well, we live in America and it exists everywhere, mm-hmm. but yet nobody had ever really like revealed said elephant to people. Mm-hmm. And it took, we mentioned it, Rat Magnet on Instagram uh, is a is a female brewer, I believe, out on the East Coast. She used her, she used her Instagram as a platform for people to feel safe and yep. anonymously uh, reveal situations that, uh, happened in that, the that have happened to them in the workplace. Yeah. So it, it became a thing. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were to look at seeing Instagram posts all over the place about it and people supporting and all that kind of stuff. Um, we want, we wanted to just spend a whole episode on it for the most part, you know, we're, we're doing our beer of the week. We have, uh, we have our weekend beer here, this segment, but, uh, we are bringing in or bringing on, on the phone, Blanca Quintero, who is a board member of Pink Booth Society. She is based down in Los Angeles and, uh, she's going to join us because it just didn't feel right to have two white middle-class middle-aged guys Mm -hmm. talk about this because although yes we do believe in equality and yes we do believe in the things we say something i fight for every day of my life this is not if people are looking for answers and reasons and uh details 
we are not really the trustworthy people to come to for that. We are not the we we do not have the experience nor the qualifications right. to discuss such things. Right. Uh, you know, I've experienced some discrimination for being Jewish, but generally speaking, I've experienced almost none in my life. I assume you've experienced minimal to none based on your your background. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had crappy bosses, but everybody's right. had crappy bosses. But you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I, I live a very privileged life, and and yeah. I think it's important to understand. Uh, to just kind of know your situation, that if you are privileged, remember, there's a lot of people out there that aren't, and our industry is no exception to that. Yep. So uh, we'll bring Blanca on next segment, and we'll dive into all that's been going on and her opinions on it and uh, see what she has to say. Hopefully it'll, be, hopefully it'll be good, and it'll be able to maybe spur some change, just uh, even for me listeners who, just from hearing it, just be more thoughtful, right? Uh, of things that go on around you, even if you're already accepting of everybody, just to pay attention. And I'm know? excited to bring Blanca on. I was trying to get somebody from the Oregon chapter of Pink Boot Society. I didn't know I was getting sent all the way to the top. So we've got one of the big wigs at Pink Boot Society. So that's pretty cool. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so that'll be coming up next. Uh, weekend beer-wise, before we dive into the, the dirty details of that, I did a barrel-aged stout clearing out of my <laughs> fridge this weekend. Let's get drunk. Which is strange considering it was balls hot but uh it was in my fridge and it just sounded good i was just kind of like usually when i have my my weekend beer like i'll post my picture on instagram if i get a, a good haul and i usually like i'll i'll have it when i eat right i'll get food i'll have a beer or two while i eat and if i'm sitting there later in the day and i'm not eating that's when i like to dive into maybe the barrel age stuff because i can actually appreciate it for what it is instead of mixing that with food mm -hmm. so i had a, a couple of moments like that this weekend i had the father of all storms which i had taken from pelican a couple of weeks ago when we did that episode i had yet to have uh, we had had that uh in as part of the taster tray <laughs> that was beer eight of the taster tray was the father of all storms uh it was delightful i had it kill the sun from Ex Novo. And How I, was that? Uh, it was really good. I have, I keep seeing those. I keep wanting to grab one, but I haven't had one yet. I'm not sure. I forget. They've been doing it for years now. Well, and they do different variants of it, too. Yeah. I'm not sure which variant this was. I forgot to double check before I drank it. I just saw it, and I was like, yes. Did you drink it out of the can? No, I poured it into okay. a glass. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Like, I'm not anti. I used to be kind of anti-canning just in general uh, years ago, just because I didn't think the science and was quite there i got like a little metallic flavor in beer but obviously we've come a long way but it's still going to take me a long time to fathom canned barrel aged beer that's like oh yeah i know modern times used to do this it's like a 12 ounce can of it was like 33 dollars for this 12 ounce can of bourbon barrel aged stout and you're like the thought of just walking down the street with this tall boy of barrel aged stout being like hey neighbor how you doing? <laughs> well, you 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 have Looks taught like a me guy. a lot about pouring into glasses in general. All about it. I never used to be that guy. Like I would just drink out of the can, mm -hmm. and I you have you've twisted my brain into I need to pour unless I'm having a short can, like a rip in. Yeah, or like a free my PA. There's yeah, there's plenty. Like I think, I'll just drink that out of the can. Yeah, That's I fine. think classic beers. Like uh, I just got back from my trip and and my buddy gave me two flats of Wanderlust, and I'll just drink that out of the can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's a new beer that I want to try, I definitely pour it into glass. If I get the uh, the the taller cans, the 500 milliliter cans, I will always pour it into a pint glass. Now, one helps with the the aroma. Mm -hmm. You can actually smell the beer out mm -hmm. instead of out of the can. Two, if there's any sort of sediment going on, it'll mix it all together as you pour, uh, or if there's any sort of, you know, something that happened in the, in the canning process. And three, you can see what it looks like. 
You can see the color. You can see, you know, you can see the carbonation, which you don't get to see when you drink out of the can. Right. So it's sometimes you get a little fooled and you don't know what you're drinking. So I just appreciate doing that. But yeah, I put it into the into the into the glass, and then I also bought this weekend. I got a, a narwhal barrel aged stout Ooh. from Sierra Nevada. Whoa, pale ale. Whoa, we haven't done that in a couple of weeks. I realize. I think you're totally right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you said Sierra Nevada, and I just went whoa. Natural what just is, popped out of my mouth. What is wrong with us? How did we forget that for like COVID? What did you do to our brains? Our stupid, dumb, addled brains. It's mostly me. I'm the one who usually does it. But. Yeah, because we need like 15 little things we do every episode. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I had that. That was delightful because last time I had a barrel aged stout in a can, it was Fremont's Dark Star, and I was a little disappointed by it. To well, be honest, Dark Star's not barrel aged. Oh, that's true. But it was it was in a can. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, there oh. is barrel aged Dark Star. But that comes in the 22. That's yeah. in a 22. I was disappointed by it. So I was kind of avoiding. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get the narwhal this time. Because didn't, didn't we have a narwhal with the, when we did the stouts? I don't know. Yeah, but it was in a bottle. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was really good. Go it was really enjoyable. And uh, so I did that this weekend. But my favorite non dark beer that I did, I had Block 15's Hellas Bach. Mm, hello. Which I saw on the shelf, and I remembered that somebody was uh, was uh, messaging me during the week about the Mybox style. Because they were like, hey, do you like Rogue, Dead Guy? And I was like, ah, it's not really my thing, but, you know, it's uh, it's not really my style. He goes, what are some other Mybox that you would suggest? And I was like, you know, I, I think mostly they're seasonal, but I threw out, I know like Heater Allen will do one, and I know Wayfinder will probably do one. And then I saw on the shelf, literally like two days after that conversation, the Hellas Bach. And I was like, well, Patrick is in love with the Hellas style. Mm -hmm. And I just had this conversation about the box. And I was like, I wonder what this is going to taste like. Because when you think about like a Bach beer, you think about like Shiner Bach. Or you think about Dead Guy. Right. And you're like, this is a sweet, malty, you know, caramely, amber, brown colored beer. And the Hellas Bach was the color of a Hellas lager. Okay. But it had a little bit of the sweetness and the caramely of a Bach. But it had a really good, like, smooth, bready mouthfeel that you get with a Hellas Lager. And it was such a perfect mix. I almost feel like it elevated both styles to be something even better. So if you see that on the shelf, I think the can looks like a little honeycomb. Mm -hmm. If you see the Hellas Bach on the shelf, give it a try if you like either of those styles. Because I think they both benefit from being combined together. So That's my, my week in beer. My week in beer, I have completed Whole30. Welcome back to the world. Woo! You can eat food again. I'm I'm quite excited. Um, I drank a lot of Wanderlust on my trip because my buddy gave me uh, two flats of Wanderlust. Uh, and so I couldn't say no. So I drank a lot of that. But the cool thing that I did drink over the week is uh, our good friend of the show over at Double Mountain, JR, gave us some Tahoma Creeks. And I opened one of those. Oh, I had that. I opened one of those over the weekend. 2018 Tahoma Creek, and it was so delightful. I think I had that, I want to say like four or five months ago. The, the Boy, was it good. The acidity and tartness had dropped off, which is kind of more my style. Not fully dropped off, but wasn't as intense as sometimes that beer can be right up front. Uh, and I shared it with some people, and we, were ve we very, very much enjoyed it. And then yesterday I had... Um, I had the new uh, Breakside finally did their last collab 
uh, that they did for their anniversary that got postponed because of COVID and stuff. But the last one was a logger with migration. And I had that. And honestly, I didn't really care for it that much. Mm. And I think because I don't know if it was a hop or a malt thing, but it kind of reminded me of like a Czech style Pilsner, which isn't my style. I know that's your style. Yeah. And so I got some of that kind of Eastern European funk to it that you can get in loggers. Uh, that's just not my thing. But I don't know if I was in the right setting to have it, so I might go back to the well and and, and try it again. Well, yesterday you brought me the Ale Song Breakside. Ale Song Grains of Wrath. Grains of Wrath collab. For Ale Song's birthday, which I, isn't out yet. I'm sorry. It's all right. Am I, should I just not talk about this? No, you can talk about it. Um, you just can't get it anywhere yet. Okay. I just happen to know some people. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. It did, It was. It, I was expecting because of Grains of Wrath, like a little bit more bitterness, but it was mm-hmm. a pretty... Mellow IPA. Nelson Strata Amarillo, I think, are the three hops in it. No, it was um, Strata Amarillo Waimea. There were four hops in it. Oh, Nelson, or sorry, I don't think it was Nelson either. I think it was Strata Amarillo Waimea and something something else. else. I think that's what it was. Uh, it wasn't particularly bitter. It was very, very like uh, maybe more like Northwest IPA ish than okay. West Coast IPA. Uh, which I thought was interesting, considering Grains of Wrath tends to have way more West Coast IPAs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, it's Ale Song's birthday. Cool. I'm going to crack an Ale Song on Saturday. It's your birthday yesterday. It is my birthday yesterday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Is my birthday yesterday. Happy belated birthday, sir. Thank you, sir. I am 36 years old and and strong as ever. Uh, I want to give some shout out to some Instagram peeps here. Uh, had a fun conversation with Blake. Uh, yesterday he got a he got a uh, beer from Crux and then he DM'd us and said, "What is a West Coast hazy IPA?" And I said, "No effing clue, dude. It should be illegal." <laughs> <laughs> so I had a good convo with him. Beer nerd Tony checked in, so Tony was looking for some stuff. Mike, you sent him in the right direction. Uh, so shout out to you, my friend. And then uh, who is this? Alex. Alex and I were talking about uh, a funny story about old oxidized IPAs. Uh, in his that his ex-wife tried to give him, and so we laughed about. <laughs> I told him he was doing the Lord's work and and, and saving lives. Well, my uh, I'm very very happy. So my my ex-wife was terrible about this. If she went to the grocery store and I needed beer, I'd be like, "Hey, you know what I like? Go grab me beer." And she would come back with like like a Widmer like variety pack. Mm-hmm. And then it would all be oxidized. Do you remember that Widmer variety pack we did? Well, do you know where I got that? <laughs> Why do you think I brought it in for the podcast? Mike was like, I have this great idea. Get rid of this beer. Yes. Uh, and she would it always get so idea. annoyed at me. She's like, I'm getting you beer. And I'm like, but uh, uh, okay, whatever. I didn't make it a fight. Uh, the first time my current girlfriend went to the store, and I was like, hey, can, I don't have any beer at your house. Can you pick me up some for your house? And she sent me a picture of the shelf. And I said, can you check under the can for the dates of blank, blank, and blank? She sent me the dates, and I was like, get the freshest ones. And she was like, okay, honey. And I was like, ah, you understand me. <laughs> my, 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 that's why you're my current girlfriend, and that's my ex-wife for some reason. My partner doesn't even ask anymore. She, she just, just knows. knows. She yeah. just knows. It's great. Well, I think over, this was the first time. I think over time, it'll get to the point where it'll be like, date check. Okay. I know. My girlfriend drinks a lot more wine than I do, and I need to return the favor and be good about buying wine like she is about buying beer. Wine is difficult because I feel like at least here we have like 
we, we talk about like eight to ten breweries that we would get at, on a shelf mm-hmm. or you know more for some people with wine i mean i feel like but there, i feel like there's a total of like 20 breweries and we can get eight of them like mm-hmm. that are on shelves usually wine there's like seventeen thousand wineries how on earth are you supposed to know she's got this thing man she's, she's got, got this, this app she's got this oh. app that you take a picture of the label and it tells you what that wine like actually costs because oh. like we buy a lot of wine at, at grocery outlet and she'll be like five bucks a bottle because it didn't sell somewhere. She'll snap the little photo on the app, and it's like this bottle got a ninety-six out of a hundred in Best Wine magazine or like something like that. Yeah. Wine Spectator. There's three and, Wine Advocate, <clears throat> Wine Spectator, and another one. All rate them. Yeah, and and this bottle is a thirty-seven dollar bottle of wine. And I guess if you you're not supposed to believe Wine Advocate, and you are supposed to believe Wine Spectator. Interesting. My uncle is a huge wine guy, and he's completely talked my ear off about this in the past. Okay. And I, I like wine. So I'm just I just don't usually buy it for myself. So I need to return the favor. If she's gonna be great about buying beer, I need to be better about buying wine. We'll get the app then. I'm gonna do it. I'm take some pictures. I'm gonna and do we'll it. Find damn it. it. What's her favorite style? Is she a Pinot Noir gal, the uh, local yeah. Northwest? Uh, she'll you know she'll dance around red and white. Um, but we drink a lot of Pinots, um, Pinots cabs, um, Merlots maybe. She likes a good Malbec if you can find it. I like it. Malbecs. Yeah. Uh, Merlot's too bold for me. I think I think she feels the same way. Cabs are the boldest, though. They're more bold than Merlot's. Oh, I find Merlot's way more bold. Um, mm-hmm. I like a good Syrah, but I tend to be in kind of a no. My, I like my, Syrah's my too. Own camp on that. I like uh, I like blends that have Syrah involved with them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a strata hop. It like supports everything. Yeah, it's nice. Wine on us with Mike Lynch and Patrick <laughs> Harris. <laughs> Let's completely learn palates that have no wine taste <laughs> testing at all. I'm so my my wine palate is garbage. Is absolute trash. I did go to a wine tasting thing with my parents once. And they were like, the tannins in this are amazing. And this tastes like twigs at the bottom. And I'm like... "It's like, you eat twigs? I'm like, what? Shooter McGavin? <laughs> pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Mean- <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we're like, this tastes like gasoline and petrol. I know. Yum. <laughs> Yum. You eat twigs? I drink gas. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Let's get into the interview portion. I'm really excited for this. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's let somebody a little bit more experienced in this and who has experienced it herself, most likely... Uh, talk about the state of the industry that has been happening over the last couple of months. Well, really, it's state of the industry in general. But the As things have come to light. The awakening the last couple of months or so. So let's get into that. Blanca Quintero, board member of the Pink Boots Society, joins us next. This is Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. portion time here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. We are joined on the phone by Blanca Quintero. She is with Pink Boots Society. Blanca, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So first question for those who don't know who are listeners, uh, explain Pink Boots Society and what you guys do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So Pink Boots Society is 14 years old. Um, It was established for women brewers initially um, in the industry as the founder, Terry, um, found that anytime she's a brewer, brewmaster, she would go to beer events, beer festivals, and very, very rare that she would come across another woman. Um, So there was a need to establish some sort of networking organization, and it's grown to over 4,000 members, I believe, um, in various different countries, not just the U.S., um, and essentially, uh, the organization was built out of the need to spotlight and help 
women grow within the beer industry and the brewing industry and has now um, grown to include other fermentables. So cider, wineries, uh, distilleries, those uh, folks are also able to be part of the organization. Um, And essentially the concept is, uh, you know, to help somebody within the industry build their career. So we offer scholarships. We partner with um, the Siebel Institute for Brewing Technology Scholarships with Cicerone program for basic Cicerone and, and so on educational programs and uh, like White Labs as well, like a bunch of different universities and um, like YCH, like a bunch of different uh, within the beer industry and now incorporating the other fermentables. But the main goal is to provide uh, educational opportunities to help women grow within the industry. Um, so the main goal is to aspire, assist and educate women within the industry. And Blanca, tell us, how did you get involved with Pink Boot Society? What is your connection to the group? Um, I initially learned about Pink Boot Society shortly after I joined the brewing industry. I started my career um, at Stone Brewing in 2012. So uh, Laura Oreck, um, who was a longtime president for Pink Boot Society, was very active about getting all women that worked for the brewery to be part of the organization. But as I was working in LA and Stone is in San Diego and the the main organization functions were happening in San Diego, there wasn't a lot of activity, but I think it was in 2018 as I, you know, after I left Stone then with another brewery, um, I helped to restart the LA chapter, which had gone dormant. And I essentially became in charge of the LA chapter for the Pink Beach Society. So it's like a national organization, international organization, and most cities or states have a chapter that's affiliated with the national organization. Um, after I reignited the LA chapter and started uh, fundraising and rekindling, uh, you know, reaching outreach and getting more gals to join on, um, I was uh, nominated for the board of directors last fall, and I was elected to start a term as a board of directors for the national organization in January. Um, so I've been actively involved probably three years now, um, but technically has been part of it for nine years. How have you seen the membership grow over the last few years? Has it been really exponential? Has it been slow moving? Uh, how, how has Pink Boot Society grown? I, I, from my, you know, more, the more I've become involved, the more I've seen that the membership has grown exponentially in the last five years. And I think that's also with the popularity of the, of the craft beer industry just, you know, skyrocketing. And uh, at least in the LA area as well, like it really just became prominent in the last five, seven years. And I feel uh, that in other cities and states where craft beer is taking off, Pink Boots is looked on as an organization that women in the industry can look to for resources and, and things of that nature. So that, and then coupled with the fact that I think for, for the past four years, the Pink Boots Society has done a collaborative brew, a collaboration brew day with uh, Yakima Chief Hop, um, where uh, the breweries can buy the hop blend that is selected by YCH and Pink Boots Society and brew a beer where a part of the proceeds go back to the Pink Boots Society. Um, that has really kind of catapulted a lot of folks because they want to participate. Most people do it on International Women's Day, um, which is March 8th. And um, it's basically become the biggest fundraiser for the organization and the local chapters um, for scholarships and so on. And I think that 
since that involvement with mm-hmm. White Peach, it's just gotten a lot more attention. And it's, you know, the organization has just been seen as a resource for so many women to help their careers. Um, and I, I've, let, let's kind of dive into why, why we brought you on. And thank you again so much. I kind of had this feeling as a lot of kind of news has shaken the, the industry, especially in terms of sexual harassment, uh, dis, displaced of, of POCs and things like that, that we didn't really find it accurate for two white kids from the state of Oregon uh, to talk about it. So thank you for coming on. And I want to just kind of dive right into it. As we're seeing, whether it's through the Rap Magnet Instagram account and all these stories shed the light, whether it's Tired Hands, Modern Times, Hill Farmstead, to name a few, what was the what was kind of the initial reaction on your end, you personally and the society, when a lot of this stuff first came to light? Um, well, I'll start with personally. So I, you know, as I mentioned, I've been in the industry for nine years. Um, so some of the uh, things that immediately came to light, you know, starting with like the microaggressions, um, just things that maybe most female beer tenders, brewers, or sales reps deal with in the industry, I very much, you know, aligned with that. Like, yes, most everybody that I know in the industry that is female presenting has dealt with all. Of but as I started reading more stories, it just, you know, more and more came to light that everybody's just been kind of holding back. And bringing these right because there is that lack of support. There's been a few in the past that I really have been at the forefront. The first thing was when Founders was being sued for uh, racial discrimination. And then a few months back, um, someone from, that used to work for Boulevard Brewing came forward with um, sexual harassment allegations. And I feel these little things have popped up now and again, but there hasn't really been a big outcry. So after seeing so many... Uh, people that have been brave enough to share their stories and start calling out these breweries and other, um, you know, bars and other parts of the industry. I saw that it was kind of like a, it was a great time to start making change happen just in the pure awareness. But of course there's also, you know, it's triggering (laughs) to see, you know, because it just reminds you or, you know, somebody that's dealt with something like that or, you know, on the, farther uh, end of the spectrum, which involves like sexual assault and rape and things of that nature. Um, it's been a very stressful realization <clears throat> that, you know, I think as it keeps being referred to like this kind of the craft beer world is always seen as like this loving, accepting, progressive space. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there's of course these like, you know, old school kind of mentality, you know, that's just kind of general uh, just in general how society is sometimes. Um, in terms of the the organization, you know, as I mentioned, we our main focus is on, like, education, providing resources of that nature to the industry, but we quickly were seen as a resource for things that we might not normally provide because we're not a legal advocacy group. Um, so we very much had to kind of regroup and say, okay, what can we provide our members what can we do and what are we not able to do and how can we better assist our membership? Um, because that's like the other struggle is that it, we're a membership for women in the fermentable industry. Um, so we really can't control what happens for, we can't control non-members. So we can provide resources <clears throat> for our members we, individually and we can have a member code of conduct for our members when they're uh, interacting with each other. But it's really brought to question what is it that we're able to do 
if a member is having these difficult situations with a brewery or a bar or a retailer that they're working with. Um, and that's really been, I think, on the forefront of a lot of the organization's minds. And uh, currently, I believe, uh, People's Society is trying to work with other organizations in the brewing industry, like the Brewers Association and the uh, MBAA, to try to see if we can come together to provide better resources for everyone in the industry. Blanca Quintero from the Pink Boot Society Board of Directors joins us. And I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this quick thing, and it could be a little tricky, um, but I'd like to know your opinion. Do you think that this is a problem within the industry or do you think this is an overall problem in society and we are just not away from it? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, it's a problem in society that we see in all different walks. But is it do you think it's more prominent in our industry or is it just becoming more are we just becoming more aware of it? I feel that is it's a societal problem. I was talking to somebody else recently. You know, I've been having a lot of these conversations recently. And um, I have a lot of friends that are in the sciences or that have worked in, like, the fashion industry or other or male-dominated industries. And it seems to be kind of a similar situation where, you know, women are, you know, underpaid, they're underrepresented uh and not just women but you know people of color um the lgbtq community and so on and so forth i feel like it's a it's a problem that i see in different industries but you don't always see them vocalized and i think that even when i think of my own experiences of you know these microaggressions and everything it's the majority of my experiences have been with the customers you know customers being you know, thinking that women are too dainty or like you can't lift the keg. That's sure have predominantly come from the customers in my experience or uh, people assuming things about their wife or their uh, girlfriend. And I feel like that's not an industry problem. That's very much a society problem because they probably don't just do that at a brewery or a bar. They probably do that at a restaurant or, you know, just these assumptions, you know, that, you know, there's a girl beer, there's something separate where women aren't fully part of this thing and I, I think it's it's coming to light in the craft beer world. But the more that I think about it, the more I know, especially knowing, you know, I like I know a female chemist and physicists and they face, they face the same discrimination or some similar like situations in academia and like all these other places. So it, it's very much to me seeming like it's a societal thing, which then becomes a how can you really solve this? if it's such a huge underlying issue in everything. Now, this is, some, this is something that I said a couple of weeks ago when we first started talking about this, and I'll, I'll be curious if you agree or if you disagree, and, and please be honest with the opinion on this if, if you feel like you can. I felt like a lot of the social media posts that were coming out about this felt almost like, I don't know if I want to say disingenuous, but just like latching on to the, the, the momentum of the week. You know, we saw like every brewery come out with a post and it was like, hey, you know, we support women and people of color and all that kind of stuff. And that all seems great on the surface. But when I read some of those, I was like, it kind of just feels like you're you're latching onto this to get likes on Instagram. Did you feel that at all? Or did it actually, at least for you guys within, you know, who are women in the industry, did you feel the support from it? I, I this has actually been, of course, a hot topic recently as well with um, the different meetups that I've done. And I think it's we've we it does it depending on the brewery and depending on the the business that's 
posting it. I did see, at least in the LA area, not a lot of breweries said anything. I think a lot of the breweries that I saw were just responding and trying to put out fires if they were personally associated or some of the stronger advocates that have already been advocates and allies were the ones coming forward. I think that it made me think a lot about last summer and, you know, it's actually been about a year since the black square, you know, supporting black lives matter. A lot of that after all these supposed allies, you know, showed their support last summer or brewed the black is beautiful beer in support of the NAACP and and these efforts, uh, it very quickly became a case that they weren't actually trying to fix these problems. And they were just kind of like, what is now referred to as virtue signaling. I'm not speaking for all breweries. I just feel that we were fearing the same thing was going to happen. And, you know, you, you see that people jump on this uh, bandwagon to try to be supportive so be, because they don't want to get the backlash because so many people are just like, I want you to say, you know, if you're my favorite brewery, I want you to have a stance. And I do think that's pretty difficult as well because it's like, if they do it disingenuously, you won't know right away they have to put these action plans and there are a few breweries that I saw that, you know, not only did they make a sense, but they were also like, this is what we're going to do to fix our brewery. And with my own brewery, I said, you know, whether there's a statement released or not, it's more important to me that we're doing the right thing internally and that we're providing resources for our staff and we're making sure that our customers are safe because ultimately that's where this all is where we can actually do some change and make a difference is individually um, and I do think that a lot of us are feeling that there might be some disingenuous posts. Like they just don't want to get in trouble. And in like a week or two, they'll forget about it while there's still people very much processing and trying to group everyone together and have like meetings so that we can make bigger movements and bigger changes in the industry. You know, we uh, up up here in Oregon and in Portland specifically, I I feel like we're pretty lucky up here in the sense you know, we have a community that is very supportive of women in the industry. You know, I can think of four prominent women brewers off the top of my head in this city alone. Uh, and so we feel, and we are a very accepting community up here, and we feel like we're kind of ahead of the game on this in a sense, but that can't be true. What can we do up here, despite feeling we're in a good space, what can we do to help continue to support POCs and women in the industry and just people of all walks of life? I, I think that, especially with um, like diver- the question of diversity uh, in the beer world, which is, you, has also been a hot topic as of late, um, I think it's always an issue of inclus- inclusivity, like making sure that people feel like they can be a part and they're not like walking into a brewery and feeling like they're already being disregarded or it's like very much like a cultural thing. And I did, I lived in Portland for four years. I went to college up there. So I do know what that city is like. And it's interesting because it is super hippie liberal, but at the same time, you know, like the outer limits of Portland are it's very much red country. Very much. And, oh, um, we know that all too well. We're very aware of that. <laughs> and, you know, like as a, you know, a Latina in Portland in the early 2000s, it was very much the case that I didn't feel like, you know, I fit in exactly, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is, is that as long as you go somewhere and you don't feel like you're being disregarded or, or you know, intense, you know, I don't know, it's very hard because, like, I think that it's, like, this basic thing where I think one of the last times I was in Portland, I went to a bar, like, next door to my friend's house, and 
I was trying to order an IPA because I am very much an IPA drinker. Uh, and I think I ordered like the Ninkasi IPA. And the guy was like, I don't know if you can handle this. This is super hoppy. And I was like, first of all. <laughs> oh my God. First of all, you don't know what super hoppy is, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, Oregon hoppy IPAs versus Southern California hoppy IPAs. And given the fact that I worked for Stone Brewing, which has one of the more <laughs> forefront hoppy IPAs, like he doesn't know me. It's right. like a judgment call. And, and it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, why did he make that assumption? Was it because of me? being a woman was it because of my ethnicity was it just because he's gotten so many complaints from people that can't handle hoppiness that he's like oh another person is going to return this beer you know it, it just it seems very complicated but i think it's just kind of like you know i i think it's very hard because like everybody wants to be an ally and it's hard to see how can you and it like i mentioned earlier it's very much like an individual like you know, checking yourself, checking your privilege, making sure that you're not making somebody feel like they're not part of where they are just because of how they present. Um, and I think it's very tricky because, like I mentioned, you know, Portland is a super hippie liberal place where, you know, people love going there. You, you will probably feel like it's, you're not like an outcast because it's a city of outcasts. But there's always going to be these situations where you're just like, what what is happening? Because ultimately it's like a predominantly white, uh, community so it's like how are you inclusive of people of color you know yeah, it's and always it, it's, we, it's very tricky we say that all the time it's always tough like we're really inclusive here we love everybody but if you look at the if you look at the demographic it is 90 percent white people right yeah and so it, it's tough it's tough i'm i'm curious i do want to ask you because you're in, you're in california based right now right yeah, I'm in LA. I'm curious because we have a Modern Times, and not to like pick on them specifically, we have a Modern Times location up here that, as far as I know, I know a bunch of people that work over there. We haven't heard any of these allegations, things that have come out. I'm curious what the reaction is in California to one of the bigger breweries in one of the bigger states making craft beer in, in America. You know, from the few people that I've talked to about it, aside from seeing, you know, I think, you know, the shock came from the fact that it's supposed to be like employee owned. So there, so everybody was like, how is this possible? And it kind of goes back to, from what I've read as well, it's just like the ownership. Um, I think it was a shock to a lot of people. It, it was kind of like a, the illusion was broken mm-hmm. um, because they're like, no, this was supposed to be the place, <clears throat> you know, this was supposed to be the place that the was, curtains pulled back. That was like, exactly. You know, it's just like, this was supposed to be a safe haven. And then, you know, I, I don't know. I've heard a few people say, you know, maybe it's just disgruntled employees, you know, and it, and then at a certain point, it's like, you know, it's not just that, you know, you can have a couple of people that are pissed and they didn't get a promotion, but it's like, so the outcry has been so much and the company realizing that they set up toxic workplaces. I, I mean, I know that the Oakland location closed until they modern times got their shit together. Um, I know people that work for modern times. I knew a, a, a few people that have posted, you know, just what the company was saying and they haven't really said anything. Um, but I, I think it's just kind of like something that we have to watch. You know, I think everybody's just kind of waiting to see how it plays out. Um, because when you have so many people making allegations, but it's more of like a toxic work environment. Uh, and how do you correct that if they've built like the, these man, managerial systems that are basically, not good for everybody you know you basically have to like 
scrap it all and start over again. I think it's very complicated. I didn't see anybody call for boycotts like they have for like hired hands. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I, that's what's been interesting about all of these different um, stories that have come out, you know, because there's such a wide range of like physical abuse, sexual assault, and then you have like emotional abuse and, um, you know, what is seen as the most drastic and, you know, what can you actually fix? And I think, you know, removing, you know, the founders, removing CEOs and like trying to set up systems to make sure that this, is, this doesn't happen again is very comforting at least because they're trying, they're trying to fix the problem that maybe they weren't aware of or they kept sweeping under the rug, which is what it sounds like. Um, but I, I think that most people were satisfied with their statements that came out and with the employees being able to band together and make decisions and make, uh, make improvements within the company. One final question before we let you go, Blanca is it, it, it took a person rat magnet on Instagram to put a couple of these places on blast to kind of open everyone's eyes. Like Patrick said, pull the curtain back. There was another Instagram that was here in Portland what was it called, Patrick? Uh, we have 86 list PDX, but yeah. that's an industry, like service oh. industry, not just the beer community. But it was, you know, it's taking mm-hmm. like Instagram accounts to, to bring this out and allow people to feel okay enough to talk about it. Is there anything that Pink Boot Society is doing now that the elephant's out of the room, essentially, to kind of like resources you guys are going to start providing or an action plan you guys have to kind of make it easier for those in the industry who feel like they're they're being, you know, discriminated in any way to come out and and get help um i know that at least from the chapters that i you know i follow or i talk with um everybody like or even ourselves like we've had meetups like bottle shares like commiserating and talking and um checking in on each other but then there's been kind of like uh i think it's it's like joining forces with other groups like the, the local guilds um, that want to put action plans together. Kind of like, I think the one that did the, the best example of that is uh, Lady Justice Brewing in Colorado held kind of like a united front meeting and they had like literal action plans. And some of the people that were part of that meeting were PDX members. Um, we have a community that our members have access to that have resources that we're currently trying to build out to make sure that they're aware of what, where they can go if they face these types of things at work. Because ultimately, it's like up to the person to report these instances. And I think that's what we're trying to vocalize and make sure that people are aware of. Um, but I think we really just, we, we, the main point of our organization is to provide resources. We can't really provide legal resources, but we can just point, direct, point people in the right direction. But at the same time, we're also kind of like becoming that place, that safe space where you can commiserate, as we've always been. It's like when you go to one of our meetings, like, some part of that is just like everybody in that room has experienced something similar to what you've experienced in the industry. And we've been able to be support for those folks and just trying to create a safe space and uh, making sure that if somebody does need help, we are able to provide those resources and how can we. Quintero, Pink Boots Society board member, thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing some of your opinions and information on this. And uh, hopefully this is the big kind of, public spur to kind of spur change moving forward. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks again for having me and bringing light to this really important conversation. All right, coming up next, it is time for Beer of the Week. It is the most 
dangerous and most exciting and most notorious beer of the week. We do this every year. We do it every year. Let's see what happens. I'm, you might know what we're talking about just based on our <laughs> tone of our voice. But that's next. Beers on us. Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris. Beer of the Week time here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. This is probably one of our most anticipated and most nerve-wracking beers of the week every single year. This is the new three-way by Fort George, this time with Moonraker Brewing and Varietal Brewing this year. Uh, I don't know much about either of those collaboration breweries. I've seen Varietal on the shelves constantly recently. Moonraker makes great beer. I know they're in Seattle. Oh, Sacramento? Moonraker is. Okay. So, uh, and I've, I've had the varietal stout, and I think I had something else by them. Uh, first thing I'm noticing is that the beer is not pouring differently in each glass, which is good. Well, nope, it is. Mine's hazier than yours. No, there's no way. No? That's okay. pretty, that's no, pretty they look similar. The same. They look the same. Yours has maybe a little bit of clearness at the bottom of it, but I can't tell. It could be the lighting. Last year, we did the experiment, and we took the picture. We poured it into three glasses. <laughs> and uh, It looked it was, like three different beers. It was three different beers. We tried all three of them. One of them was like a, cl- a clear West Coast IPA. <laughs> it was kind of good. Another one was uh, Chalk Bomb, and the middle <laughs> one was somewhere in between. Yeah. So uh, this is going to be interesting because I feel like I remember the first year we did this podcast, I actually enjoyed Three Way. I knew it was a hazy, but I, I enjoyed the flavor that was in it. Mm. And then last year, it was that mess whatever it mm-hmm. was and at least this one is evenly pouring the so first time we did it uh was with sarah peterson yes shout out to our old friend sarah peterson because i brought beer of the week to sarah Vesa and yeah. it was three-way yeah and you were like oh it's three-way and i was like <laughs> what i had this i thought it was pretty good and sarah was like yeah let's totally do it and i was like damn it sarah <laughs> that was like episode seven <laughs> yeah something like that well before <clears throat> i uh i got a little bit more discerning in my taste and maybe a little bit more douchey in my taste if you want to put it that way <laughs> douchey uh this is one of my favorite cans that they put out for three-way i really like the color i would also agree um they went away from like the bros on on the can to animals yep and uh not quite sure what this is it looks like a creepy monster of some sort. Yeah, but there's a penguin and a peacock. Yep, and it's got a really cool, like, kind of teal, turquoisey color in the can, like a like a shimmery bluish green, which I enjoy. Canned on May twenty fifth at ten forty three a.m. Batch number sixty nine. Nice. Well, maybe four twenty four twenty lowercase x capital x underscore six nine six nine four twenty. Nice. <laughs> A little too long for gamer tag, but I like what you're doing there. <laughs> you know what? Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe batch number 69, brewed just 10 days ago, is yeah. a good sign. That'll be interesting. You know, we'll, you know, we've been doing a little bit be- better about trying hazies. We found some that we've enjoyed, mm-hmm. and maybe this is silly of me, but I would hope that over the course of the last year or so, when hazies have become a little bit more refined across the board, that maybe the, one of the most popular hazy releases of the year will also be a little bit more refined. Shouldn't last year's three-way be on the COVID wall? No, because it was before COVID. Really? hmm Really? I'm pretty sure. Huh. But it always comes out in June. Well, if that's the case, then I don't know. But I feel like I remember it being... Was that the one with the, with the like, the gorillas? I don't remember. On it? I just distinctly remember it being before COVID in my brain. But everything is before COVID, because COVID was a year of, ah... Ah, nothing. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how this tastes. You took a sip already. Yeah, I took a sip of it. Um, I don't get any off flavors, so that's nice. 
you know, I don't find anything technically flawed with this. Um, juicy. Oh. I wish it had a little more bitterness, but welcome to me and my palate when it comes to hazy IPAs. Well, that's what the hazy is. It's less <clears throat> bitter. Yeah. What I will say is that there is a significant lack of chalkiness that was very present in last year's. I would also agree with that. I think there's like a hint of it in there because I think with hazy, sometimes it's hard to avoid that. But last year's, I feel like dominated with chalk. And this year's is, this is smooth. It's juicy. It's very light. There's not a lot of bitterness. But overall, much better than last year. Much better than last year. I mean, it just the way it is. Yeah, last year was, yeah, there was uh, a monkey on it, a dinosaur, and something else. A yellow can. I could have swore that was during this, but if it's not on the wall, then no. <laughs> huh. I feel like I remember it being before all the bad stuff happened, but who knows? Says, Maybe you're just missing it on the wall. It says May 29th. Hmm. The wall is not complete, and I am pissed off. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I found it. It's right there. Really? It's on the bottom, yeah. Oh. Literally, it just says three ways poking right at me. It's a yellow can, just as I described. And you were looking at the bottom. And I was you didn't looking see at it. the bottom, and I'm staring right at it. Right so it was now. at the very beginning of COVID for us. It's on the second shelf. Second shelf? Second shelf near the end. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just an idiot. Don't, don't mind me. But you guys already knew that. Um, yeah. I actually... I would drink this beer. I, I think this beer is fine. I, I miss the old three ways of the Lompoc Gigantic, the Barley Brown Melvin. The clear three ways? The clear three ways, and the most epic three way of all three ways, which will go down in infamy. The Two girls, one cup. The Boneyard Block 15 uh, three way, which rumor on the street is, is was the base recipe of Suicide Squeeze. Oh, interesting. That has been changed over the years, mm -hmm. but that was... That prompted the suicide squeeze. Yeah, that's, I missed, what I, that's what I heard. Don't quote me on it. Although I guess technically you'd you've, be quoting on me. You've already said it, it into a microphone <laughs> that's being recorded that's going to be sent out to people. So yeah, you're quoted. Okay. Um, uh, I the urban myth. I would drink this beer. And that's something that the last two or three, three ways I didn't say. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really encouraging for me. Um, I guess props to Moonraker and Varietal for being part of this because, you know, I... The iffy three ways were never like, oh, these breweries suck or anything like that. It was just more like this is the style and people want really chalky hazies and this is just what's, what's popular right now. And uh, it just uh, props to these guys for making one that, at least for those of us who are not hazy drinkers, would appear to be way more drinkable. 7.3%. So, ooh, that's strong. Yeah. Is it normally that strong? I don't remember. But hazies, man, are so easy. They're, it's so easy for hazies to be high in alcohol, I feel like. I feel like these days that's what people want, is people want the sweet sugar bomb uh, with a ton of alcohol in it. Get you drunk. Yes. I will say that that is a benefit of having one 8% beer. It's like, hey, I'm feeling really, really good right now. I'm last, feeling really good. Last year's three-way was 7.2. And last year's was Cloudburst and Holy Mountain. Level and... Holy Mountain. Okay, I got one of them right. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Give me a second. Hard to read on a yellow can. Yep. Structures and level. I'm totally wrong. Cool. Yes. Well, Structures is known for their super hazies. Like, I see their Instagram posts, and boy, do they make juice bombs. And what I love from Structures is their sour stuff. Really? Their sour stuff is great. Fantastic. And they're up in Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. There's our beer of the week. It is the newest three-way. It is Varietal. It is Moonraker. It is Fort George. 
Uh, if you like Hazy's, I think you will very much enjoy this this year. If you don't like Hazy's and you like to try it every year, I think you will find it much more up your alley than the last two years have been. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. I was very nervous. I have been every time we do three-way. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'm okay with this beer. I was you, just noticing. Okay? Yeah, I was just noticing the IPA. The, the three-way IPA can is going to go almost in the same spot as the old three-way IPA can, but like seven rows up. That's more than seven rows, isn't it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's the seventh row. Yeah, you're right. Again, I'm an idiot, but you knew that. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much. We are in the works of planning our next trip out to Pelican, which is going to be this month. I uh, just got the email that we need to schedule that, so we need to do that today. So keep an ear out for that. It'll be coming in the next couple weeks probably. But uh, we'll be back next week, every Thursday, 4 o'clock. Find us on Instagram.com slash Beers and Us. You can send us DMs there. Uh, you can find us Twitter at Beers and Us Pod, Facebook.com slash Beers and Us, and uh, personal pages. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD08. Five on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, let us know what you guys want us to do. Uh, any places that we haven't mentioned that we're planning on going to. Uh, you know, we've been mentioning this for over a year because of COVID, but Occidental and Ruse are two of our first stops that we'll be doing. Uh, Great Notion was in the works before COVID as well, so that's all coming up. But if there's any place that you think we should go to uh, that we haven't mentioned yet, or maybe we forgot that we mentioned, let us know and subscribe, rate, review wherever you find us. Uh, we love all of you listeners. Uh, we love the interaction. It's been getting more and more frequent, it feels like, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So thanks for listening and uh, be good to people. Be good to people. That's the, the theme of today's episode. Be good and accepting. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Happy birthday to Patrick. Woo! And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, horses. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com.